0: Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843 664 8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's JC Sherbert. On the Gamecocks podcast, JC here with you Monday, January 10th. Thanks as always to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the first segment. Uh, like all of you guys, uh, I uh, enjoyed this past weekend, you know, following what's going on in Gamecock land. Some news and notes it's, um, it was a good weekend for South Carolina some official visitors on campus from the transfer portal. And we'll get to that first and foremost, Terrell Dawkins a defensive end from NC state, originally from Concord, North Carolina has committed to South Carolina. This is a good deal here uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, Dawkins is a player that at NC state looked like he was having a, you know, trending towards a starting job and a, you know, being a really good player for them. And uh, they kind of switched up their scheme a little bit. They had him standing up a little too much. He's more of a down pass rusher. Uh, and so from what I'm told, you know, the, the situation with him leaving NC State was more of a scheme fit than a talent thing or a upside thing. Uh, and if you look at it, you know, next year, you, you feel really good about Jordan Burch. You feel really good about Jordan Strong you feel pretty good about Gilbert Edmond, a young player that's going to kind of step into the rotation next year, maybe Tyreek Johnson, but there's really not a lot of depth, you know, losing Enigbare and Sterling, you know, you're relying on some younger players. There were some gaps, I I think, i.e. misses when it comes to the edge guys. And, And, you know, some guys that were edge, like Tonka Hemingway, they're 305 pounds now, so you have to play them inside. So looking at it, I would say that uh, this is a big pickup for depth. Uh, You know, you never know if you have injuries or something like that. You always want to rotate your defensive lineman. Talking to a source on another coaching staff that was involved with Dawkins, you know, they loved him. They got another defensive end that I think their defensive end's coach liked a little better, but opinions were split in the staff uh, about it. So they thought it was a tremendous pickup for South Carolina. Uh, and think that he can come in right away and compete in the SEC uh, and and play significant snaps. And, and, you know, we call it D-line heaven. The Carolinas for a reason, and this is another D-lineman out of D-line heaven. So uh, you want to take as many of those guys as you can if you're South Carolina, North Carolina, Clemson, NC State, whoever. You know, you you always uh, want to make sure that you are getting your share out of D-line heaven. Uh, And here goes another one like that. So, you know, we're going to, Talk about the portal in the analysis segment a little bit, just like we have been. So it's uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, that was good news. South Carolina got a second commit who we have not released the name yet. Shane Beamer tweeted, Welcome home. Um, it's one of the guys that visited, I'll, t- I'll tell you that right now. But I, I think Game Guy fans are going to be pretty fired up uh, about this player, too. And then you really should be. Uh, Antoine Wells, Jr., I think Antoine, Antoine, spelled Antoine, I think it's Antoine, uh, from James Madison, uh, big-time wide receiver, 80 catches, 1,250 yards last year. You know, this guy's probably a future pro, uh, just to be honest. And, yes, for those of you that don't like South Carolina taking kids from FCS, there, there are FCS players that do play in the NFL. South Carolina absolutely needs him. Uh, My understanding is with his visit, you know, he had a really good visit, really good exit interview uh, with Justin Stepp, Shane Beamer, all those guys. Uh, And I'll tell you this, Shane Beamer uh, got players out of Highland Springs, Virginia, where this kid is from when he was at Virginia Tech, at Oklahoma, uh, wherever he has a lot of uh, connections there. I think his mother actually went to Highland Springs High School. Uh, So this is one where the Beamer name and Shane Beamer's uh, sterling reputation with high school coaches uh, could really help pay off. Uh, you know, I think the Gamecocks are in the pole position right now for Wells. Uh, he's visiting North Carolina, though, this weekend. So that's a, that's that's tough because, as I've mentioned several times here on the podcast, the Tar Heels has been very, very, very good in Virginia this cycle. I think they have five out of the top six high schoolers. You know, portal guys, it's different. Um, I'll say this Chapel Hill's closer to home for the kid, uh, cause Highland Springs is in the Richland, or excuse me, Richmond area. Uh, South Carolina can sell SEC versus ACC. Obviously I think South Carolina's depth chart at receiver looks a little better. Uh, the North Carolina's in terms of getting in there and playing, but I honest to God, I don't think Wells is going to have a problem playing wherever he wants to go play. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I think, uh, when you read, you know, the comments that Wells has made, you know, to the media, to Hill McGranahan and others, he's really focused on being meticulous and making a good decision. So who knows what will happen there. But I I, I think that – I know this. I know he's really good. Uh, and I think of the receivers right now you're talking about uh, in the portal for South Carolina, the, the ones that are in right now, uh, and this is no offense to Kobe Hudson, the transfer from Auburn who – I think he's a terrific player. I think Wells is the best right now. You know, you never know who's going to sneak in the portal later. Uh, but right, the Gamecocks are going to target. But right now, I, I, Wells, to me, uh, is exactly what the Gamecocks need. Game breaker, good hands. Uh, what route running. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that that had to go to prep school that maybe flew under the radar a little bit. but But he's good. There's no question about that. He's very, very, very good. Um, and so we'll see what happens. He visited, uh, and then the other kid from uh, Central Michigan, the uh, safety was the other one that visited. And then, you know, you had Hudson, and, and people were talking about that. So we'll see, uh, along with Dawkins. So we'll see who ends up going public. We'll also see who ends up uh, coming the Gamecocks way. But I, I think that when you look at the trending, I forgot to mention running back from Wake Forest, Christian Beale Smith. Also visited, also had a good visit. Uh, Gamecocks also were trending for him. He was Wake Forest leading rusher this past year. So the transfer portal really looking good for the Gamecocks. I think that when you look at the the high school class South Carolina signed this year, it, it, it's a it's a class where I think there's talent uh, coming in. There's upgrades potentially coming in. Uh, I would be lying if I told you that there's a bunch of guys in the class uh, outside of a Landon Sampson or maybe Anthony Rose in the defensive backfield where you look and you go instant impact. And, and, guys, that's not that's not a slight on the class at all because everybody has to develop and, you know, you're kind of wishing and hoping when you sit there and go, oh, you know, hopefully this guy could step in and play as a freshman, and it's a mixed bag. Uh, that's more of a, you know, the reason I say developmental, and, and I say that because it, it's going to be pretty solid because South Carolina is going to have a chance to develop these guys and not have to throw them out there. Because yeah, Carolina's got everybody coming back. I mean, very few people. They, they lost Barry and Sterling. They lost Jalen Foster. Uh, on offense, they lost Kevin Harrison Zaquandre Quandre White at running back. But other than that, you know, Nick Muse, of course, at tight end other than that you know everybody's coming back so you got uh i forgot jason brown at quarterback and that could be another quarterback or two take off depending on uh, what happens but look i um i uh just wanted to uh you know pass that along looks like the portal is doing pretty well uh when it comes to uh south carolina and uh, and their recruiting efforts here for the class of 2022. Game guy basketball, big win on the road. Vandy has been, I call it a house of horrors, and it has been. Uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, South Carolina was sitting there at 18 and 12. Going to Nashville, I think Vandy had won, what, two conference games going into that one. Going to Nashville, on the bubble for the tournament at 10 and 7 in the league. And they lost lost by a significant margin. And lost up there last year, if I'm not mistaken. So it hadn't been easy against uh, Jerry Stackhouse and, and the Commodores, even though you know this year's Vandy team obviously is a lot better than the, the previous two. Uh, but the Gamecocks, they said they gutted it out. It was a gutting out of a win. Uh, it looks like um, you know, it look like the Gamecocks may run away with it for a while. They're up double digits and. Really playing well and had Vandy off balance. Vandy closed the gap. You know, South Carolina held on at the win- at the end with free throws. Jared uh, Reese Reese had a good game. I, I thought uh, I thought it was a very balanced attack. And I just hit the mic, so if you guys heard drumming, that's what happened there. My bad. I'm working very hard to correct that. So uh, you know, big win by the Gamecocks in my opinion. Uh, they're going to 10 and 4, 1 and 1. They moved up in the net ranking inside the top 100 for the first time in a while. Uh, you know, the key here is just for the Gamecocks, number one, to keep winning. They play Tennessee this week on the road. And then I think Florida comes to Columbia this week, It's is not going to be easy this week. Keep winning and then pull for your UABs and Florida states and Georgetowns. And, you know, that net ranking will come back up. You know, I think the ACC just watching, you know, the first little bit of sec basketball this year I, I i you know i don't know this is as deep as i can remember this league in quite some time you know yeah he, he, i think missouri beat lsu you have arkansas losing to vandy um it's uh it's a situation oh is it a missouri beat alabama i think alabama but there are a lot of good teams top to bottom uh, some surprising teams. And and I think, you know, when you have a situation like that and everybody's kind of knocking off everybody else, if you're South Carolina, that's an opportunity. But also, uh, if the league is strong and that gives you opportunities to kind of get wins. Uh, and I say that because even though when you schedule a non-conference basketball season, you're not counting on... Some of, hit the mic again. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> you're not counting on other teams you schedule being down or, or whatever, you, you know, and you, you look at the names on the schedule this year, Princeton, Western Kentucky, UAB, Wofford, really good team. Uh, Georgetown, really good team. Historically, Florida State, an ACC contender. Uh, and Florida State and Georgetown in particular just hasn't happened. They haven't lived up to expectations. Florida State's net still in the 70s. Georgetown's weighing like 180-something. So those are the games that are supposed to help you. And they have it, so that's um that's the deal there, you know in terms of uh uh in terms of uh the the net, so how do you make that up and get a high enough net ranking to get in uh and as much as I've sat here and said, I don't know exactly how much they emphasize it or whatever in past years i I've, I've kind of learned that they do they do emphasize it quite a bit uh and so you know, you got to get that net up, and the way you do it, you win in conference games. And you win conference games on the road, that's even better. You know, th- this road win at Vandy uh, has meant more to the net ranking as far as moving up than anything else South Carolina's done so far. So, good win for the Gamecocks, 10-4, and 1-1, one and one. going to Knoxville this week. That's not going to be easy, but, hey, it's another opportunity. Uh, and then the Gators come in this weekend, and – you know, South Carolina has been pretty good at beating Florida in at Florida over the years. But uh, Gators have, you know, kind of returned the favor of the Colonial Life Arena at times. So we will see uh, see what happens. So we will see kind of what uh, what happens there. Um, anyway, so that's the news and notes segment. Uh, look for a lot of news possibly uh, coming up, uh, you know, this week with recruiting. Also we'll cover basketball. Uh, talk a little bit about the national championship game tonight between Alabama and Georgia later this week, and, of course, mailbag and all that good stuff. So, uh, lots going on, lots to pay attention to uh, as recruiting continues. Told you guys recruiting was not over, and it's definitely not. Some of the, some of the bigger pickups are probably on their way uh, here in the next few weeks. So, uh, good news there for the Gamecocks. All right, analysis segment of the – Inside the Game Guys podcast, and I just hit the wire again. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of figuring this out as we go uh, with the mic, but I, I think I've got it. I think I know what I'm doing right now. I'm hitting this wire, and it's 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 going uh, kind of haywire when I hit the hit the. get reach for my mouse here, so I need to probably do some spacing uh, redesign uh, of the studio here on the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Cindy Searfoss of Wall Banker Kane Real Estate. Married to a Diar Gamecock fan, been in the upstate over 35 years, would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. It's 864-414-5271 or see, see Foss at cbkane.com. Uh, I know the real estate market's kind of crazy. It's a little crazy. Uh, and she can help you guide yourself through or help you. She can guide you through it. How about that? <laughs> You're going to tell it's a Monday, folks. Uh, She's right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue in my hometown of Spartanburg, my beloved hometown of Spartanburg. Actually ordered some Spartanburg gear over the weekend to to just, you know, for the heck of it. Uh, But Cindy's the best. Uh, Cherokee, Union, Spartanburg, Greenville, wherever you want to do your real estate stuff in the upstate. Cindy can help you. 864-414-5271. Tell her JC sent you a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. She does the analysis segment or sponsors the analysis uh, analysis segment every single week. Okay, so I talked about Terrell Dawkins committing, and that gives the Gamecocks a, another edge rusher. You could never have too many of these guys, folks. You, you always need edge rushers. Um just seems like a good fit. Now, you know, they wanted to check him out body type-wise, wanted to make sure he was what they wanted. Uh, and, and turns out he is, and then they took him. And, you know, just kind of looking at it, 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 now you're kind of feeling a little better when you're talking about depth up there. Cause like I said, you got Birch back and Jordan Birch will probably make a step. I'm, I'm you know, I, I keep reading. There's some people out there that are, that are disappointed with Jordan Birch and, and his uh, performance so far, you know, probably cause he's a five-star and people think he should be Jebby and Clowney, but uh, that was never going to happen. Um. I'll remind you that uh, Jordan Birch basically is in his first season of play. Uh, Last year, he was on the roster. He appeared in however many games. Uh, He missed a ton of time development-wise in the preseason with some COVID issues during the season a little bit uh, and just got behind. And it was a tough year for a lot of young players, you know, especially linemen, uh, to get behind like that. Uh and I think they've done a good job of catching him back up, but I think he had you know if you consider it a freshman season, they get a pretty solid freshman season the stats you know did he did he rack up a lot of sacks and stat wise no, but he got a lot of pressure um there were some times where he did not there are some times where he lost battles, but i mean i th- i I think Jordan Birch is back on track so you know, when I when I look at it like that, I you know, you, you think he's gonna make a, a next step next year as he slides into a starting job. Jordan Strong to me could have made a could have made a really, I guess, big case for him to play more. I think even ahead of Aaron Sterling. Uh I said that early, then I kind of backed off of it because Aaron, Aaron did do some nice things, but I think Strong is just a a a playmaker, like more of a guy that could just make things happen with his length, with his ability to get after the passer. You know, he and Zach Pickens in the bowl game were quite a duo over on that side. Uh, You know, he's chasing down Sam Howell, pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. Uh, I think it's big that he came back because I I think now could strong have been drafted this year? Absolutely. Uh, I I think probably later rounds, but they're always going to take a pass rusher in the NFL. You you can look at the end of last year's draft in the first round and they started taking some guys that I I hadn't even heard of but that were good but they're pass rushers because it's such a premium in that league. You have to be able to rush the passer. So Strong could have been drafted, no question, but coming back and being a starter and playing more reps and having more of an opportunity to make an impact, you know, this guy could be uh, a much higher draft pick in my opinion. Now He's got to do it. He's got to keep plugging away and um to get to the next level and all that but uh you know i, I think i think you feel good about him uh gilbert edmund is a guy that's was the last guy they took i think in the 2020 class all of a sudden he's 6'5 255 uh, when he was in high school that's kind of what he was known for pass rushing uh played some linebacker played some d tackle uh but I feel good about him as, as an upside guy who next year will be ready to go in and get some snaps. You know, Tyreek Johnson needs to stay healthy. You know, that's the thing with him because he's one of those guys for three years now. We we keep hearing about in the off season as being good, but can't really stay healthy. That kind of thing. A kid out of Sumter. Uh, And then with, with Dawkins coming in on the other side with Birch, you know, that gives you five. You feel good about now. Who else? You know, that's the question. Will they? Will they maybe move Eric Shaw over there? Can Eric Shaw, at two hundred twelve pounds, maybe he gets to two twenty five? Can he help you with certain situations? Uh, can Donovan Westmoreland uh, be a guy as a stand-up rusher that, that maybe can help because he's got natural pass rushing ability? Those are all a lot of questions. And is Brad Johnson uh, a guy that? You know they they're going to keep him at linebacker, but in certain packages does he put his hand in the dirt and come off the edge? You know those are all uh, questions that Clayton White and the defensive coaching staff, whoever's coaching ends next year, they all have to figure that out. So, you know, having Dawkins, my point is, having Terrell Dawkins really helps because it gives you another, a a third guy that you're like, okay, we got Strawn and Birch, and now you got Dawkins. So that's the third guy there that can, you know, you, you feel really, really comfortable with as far as players on the uh, college level that can get things done. You know, in the pass rush next year, uh, I, I thought it was much improved this year. I'm looking for even more improvement next season. Uh, I thought JJ Annick Barre at times looked elite and at times he didn't. I, I thought the, the defensive line in general um, sometimes looked like what we thought, sometimes it didn't. And so I think that uh, the key is more consistency. Uh, the key is for everybody across the board to take it to the next level. Uh, I think inside on the D-line, the Gamecocks are in very, very good shape because you've got Pickens back. You've got Rick Sandage coming off an injury. You've got uh, Alex Huntley, who I think is ready to go in and start if he needs to. you got Taka Hemingway, who I mentioned. Uh, M.J. Webb. Uh, Is back. Then they really like Nick. Excuse me. They like T.J. Sanders. Now T.J. Sanders, he could be an end. You know, I'll just tell you that right now. Um, Projection was a tackle, but he could be an end. Uh, And then Nick Barrett definitely is a tackle. And then you got four defensive linemen coming in. Jamal Weish uh, is an early guy coming in. DeAndre Martin's an early guy coming in. Uh, Martin's more developmental. Uh, So is Weiss, but, uh, you know, depending on kind of what his body looks like when he gets to Carolina, he's got a lot of length. He's built more like an end. Maybe he starts out like a Travian Robertson, starts out at an end and moves inside. You know, and then um, you you sort of look at the other two, Demetrius Watson and Felix Hickson. Felix Felix Hickson is in early, uh, and so he could be a guy that uh, I think if he can return to his junior year uh, form – uh, will be pretty good. But, you know, defensive tackle is pretty, pretty solid uh, right now. And then there's some guys like Devontae Davis I didn't even mention. Uh, I don't know if Keem Green, you know, I don't know what the deal is with him either. So, tackle's in pretty good shape. It's in that you worry about the buck or, or whatever they say. So, um, you know, defensive line-wise, South Carolina, that, that's what Ter- that's what Terrell Dawkins really means, uh, I think, is, uh, is another guy that can plug – You know, so you go from thin, you know, somewhat thin to uh, in good shape, not great because, you know, two injuries and you're right back in the same situation uh, at pass rusher. But there are people on the roster that can rush the passer. And then adding Dawkins, uh, I think, is, uh, is critical, you know, in terms of depth and everything like that. So, you know, we'll see sort of what happens there. Uh, I do think, you know, just in, in analyzing the recruiting class at this point, you know, I mentioned Antoine Wells. I mentioned Kobe Hudson. I mentioned maybe there's another portal receiver out there that's not in the portal yet. Uh, critical. I, I think it, I think it's critical, even if you add one, you know, just add one of these guys because you look at who's coming back uh, and then there's, there's a lot of hope, right? There, you, you hope the bowl game for Amari and Brown – was a turning point, okay? You hope that, you know, Josh Van can keep on keeping on and, and even take it to a next level next year with him returning. You you hope that Jaheim Bell is going to be a receiver most of the time, and he plays in that position instead of Joyner, uh, and we saw what happened, you know, when he did. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big play guy, you know, and so you hope you get that kind of, uh, of returning uh, production, you know you hope maybe Rico Power steps up. Who knows? You know, I, I'm not gonna not gonna predict that, but but who knows? You know you hope Landon Sampson comes in uh, and can play right away. Which I think if you watch the you, what used to be the Army All American Bowl on Saturday, you, you probably get a good idea. This guy's he's very advanced route running wise. You know knows what to do. Was in a great high school system. Those guys usually have a you know a, not as steep of a learning curve because they're used to being in, in an offense that you ask them to do different things and run routes precisely and stuff like that. Whereas some kids are just athletes and they have to learn how to play the position. So you hope Landon Sampson can do it. You hope Austin Stogner uh is a big time target at tight end. But there's a difference between hoping and knowing. <laughs> And with Wells, I think you know. I think with Kobe Hudson, Auburn's leading receiver, you know. And uh, we'll see who else jumps in. But um, having, you know, when you know, to me, that's, uh, that's a little bit better uh, than, than wishing and praying, uh, you know, for, for the next season. And look, I, that that didn't mean, hey, guess what? Jaheem Bell's not going to be that good or whoever's not going to be that good. It's just still, it's an unknown. And you'd rather have more knowns than unknowns. And what I think is impressive about South Carolina heading into next season, and it's weird to say this in year two of a of a coaching tenure where there's a lot of losing before he got there. Um, there's more a lot more knowns than normal. You know, you think about it, South Carolina has all five offensive linemen coming back that started wherever. You've got seven that have started, you know, because you got to throw Jacai Moore in there. You have some turnitine in there. I don't think Jazz is going to start, but uh, we'll see. Um, You know, and you have everybody at back. Dylan Wanham's coming back. You have Wanamaker, who played most of the year over there at right tackle. So, Jalen Nichols, I thought, of all three guys that played left tackle this year, I thought Jalen was probably the best over there. So, you know, look, let's, uh, you know – Let's call it for like it is up front. Do they need to get better? Absolutely. But I think one of the things where where people have kind of missed the boat is when you look at them individually, all of these players have played better, you know, at different points of their Carolina career. So that's the good news, you know, and and I continue to maintain that this group was completely confused uh, for most of the year. Uh, Are are they a bunch of All-Americans? Probably not. Oh, can they be one of the better offensive lines that South Carolina seen around here? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, that's the deal there. That's the deal there. But uh, it's uh, it, it's good news. You know, you, you do have, even with White and Harris being gone, three running backs can't coming back that are good. You know, receivers we talked about defensively. Uh, the interior defensive line is back. Uh, Strong is back. Birch is back. They were not starters. It was Sterling and Inigbare. Uh You got both linebackers who started at the beginning of the year and Brad Johnson and uh, Sherrod Green coming back. Seems like th- those guys have been there for years. Um, Everybody in the secondary is back except Jalen Foster. Um, You know, it, both kickers, you know, you name it. The returners, Uh people are coming back. Uh, and then, you you know, obviously – Zeb Nolan's not back and obviously Jason Brown's not back and Luke Doty's coming off an injury, but you bring in Spencer Rattler quarterback plus two younger quarterbacks. And so that's, um, you know, that's good. You know, that, 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 you know, off of a seven and six team and you add some pieces and you can build on that. You can win more games. And uh, so I think that's, what's positive about the portal, uh, right now is that it, it, it's going to help you, you know, shore up some spots. It's going to give you some starters. It's going to give you some depth in certain situations. And then, you know, everything else is going to be up to the returning players. Uh, and I think the tendency around here sometimes is, ah, those returning guys can't play. You know, that's why there was all this talk. And look, make no mistake about it. If South Carolina found an offensive tackle that could come in and start, they would they would do it but they're not just going to sign a guy that's a big guy or whatever to go take up a space that they don't have room for that. Um, And so I think a lot of people thought, well, they just need to recruit their way out of it, but that takes a long time folks. You know, you're like, okay, we need to, we need to process offensive linemen and, and, you know, and all that. Well, where are you going to get people to play the offensive line next year? And then you're going to waste another year. You know, because you're you're starting freshman or whatever up front now. You, you don't do that, and uh, I think everybody affiliated with the program understands that, that these guys could have played a lot better this past year. These the, the, and and then they're all coming back. So to their credit, you know, they didn't get discouraged. You know, Eric Douglas, Dylan Wanham, Jovon Gwynn, Jalen Nichols, Ja'kai Moore, Vershawn Lee. Those guys did not get discouraged. <laughs> Tyshawn Wanamaker, um, and so we'll see sort of what happens with the uh, with the offensive line moving forward. But I, it was never really an option to just say, oh, well, we got to go recruit better. You know, what they need personnel-wise, you want to get right down to. It. On the offensive line, when you're just talking about personnel, talent, right, they need some more, like, true tackle types. You know, Tyshawn Wanamaker played out there this year, but I think no one would argue that he's probably better at guard, you know. Uh, is Dylan Walham a better guard than a tackle? I don't know, but right tackle, you know. Uh, Jalen Nichols, obviously they started him off at guard, went back to tackle, and I thought he played well. Is Ja'Kai Moore a guard? Ah, probably a right tackle. Uh, So these guys, these left tackle types, but look, man, you're not going to find a lot of true left tackle types. There's like five of those guys every year that you look and you go, wow. Uh, But most of the guys are guys that get there and they just take over that spot, and you find out later Or you go Juco and get a guy like Dennis Daly. Um, I remember when Travell Wharton came in way back in the day, and expectations for Travell weren't off the roof, and he started right away and and started the whole time he was here. (laughs) You know, so like Jamon Meredith, nobody ever thought he was going to be a big-time offensive tackle. Travell and Jamon, uh, by the way, went to the same high school, Hillcrest and Simpsonville. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. So, look. You know, if you're the Gamecocks heading into 2022 uh, or you're, you're a fan out there, and, and, you know, you need to kind of just realize the hope for the offensive line next year never has and never will be reliant on anybody from the portal unless they find a big timer. Uh, it's going to mean, you know, the guys on campus right now that are within the program right now, many of whom have been there for a long time, played a lot of football. They got to they got to play their best football next season, uh, and there has to be a coherent plan for them to do that. Uh, and if they do that, and you add some other spots, South Carolina could be much better on offense next year, in theory, or they should be. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. With that, okay. So time for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Love the I Help Consulting Mailbag, by the way. I uh, really, really appreciate. Uh, Daniel Owens from iHelp Consulting. And if you are a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, and that's where iHealth Consulting can help. They're a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So whether you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything, that's right. If they can't help your business at all, it's no cost to you. Daniel saved uh, one business 48000 Average savings are at least around $3,000 a year um, and another one for $40,000. Uh, he gets paid by taking a percentage of your first year savings. So you're never going to pay out more than you're saving. So it makes total sense uh, for you to give Daniel Owens at iHelp Consulting a call, 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, I help Consulting. How can I help you? They also sponsor my weekly segment on JB and Goldwater, which is coming up Wednesday. Be sure to check that out. So there's two ways to get into the mailbag, as we all know. By the way, wanted to say congratulations to my former coworker John John DelBianco, Uh, with the BigSpur.com, I guess he was my employee. (laughs) I guess he worked for me, but uh, co is kind of how I consider it. We all kind of work together. It's fun on getting engaged. He's been dating this young lady for a while now, a beautiful picture up on social media of the proposal. John, I just want to let you know, if you're listening, much respect for you and the work you did for us. And also on a personal level, I think you're a tremendous human being and I wish you and your lovely Bride to be, the best of life, uh, and all that good stuff. I just think that, um, yeah, you know, I think that's wonderful that you got engaged right there. I think in Cabo, got engaged in Cabo. Weather looks good, better than where I'm at. Okay, so you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, which I encourage you guys to all go follow that Twitter account. Also follow Inside the Gamecast on Instagram. First one comes in from Thomas. Hey JC going to be honest, I don't understand how the portal works. Can you take five minutes to explain the scholarships and how many people South Carolina is allowed to take? Just saw, saw how many we were trending for on TBS and needless to say, didn't think we could take them all. Thanks. Well, okay, so what the NCAA did is they said, you know, they they passed a what I call a stupid rule. Because, so they limit you to the number of letter of intents you can have guys sign. So in other words, if you sign a guy and he doesn't qualify, that still counts against you. Okay, that's number one. Um, and that was because the Big Ten started doing some fuzzy math and accusing the SEC of oversigning and cutting guys. And you know, regardless of the fact that most SEC programs came back and said, "Hey, uh, you know, we're not—we're going to guarantee scholarships for years. You know, you don't have to worry about that." The NCAA still stepped in and passed legislation. I mean, I thought it was just like a, like a dumb dumb rule. Like that, it was like there there was a fake problem there, but they did it. And so you can't sign at twenty five. They call them initial counters, you know. So twenty five. Well, because of the pandemic and because you have situations where teams are losing, you know, twenty guys out of the portal to the portal uh they're like well you need to provide some relief for some of these programs because that's um you know that's not fair you know i mean i use the tennessee example you know tennessee's not on probation right now you know they may be but you know because of that issue and the coaching change and all that they lost a bunch of players that's not fair to them you can't punish them right now you're always innocent until proven guilty uh and so they gave you gave you some relief, so what happens is if you lose you can lose up to seven players in the portal and get those seven back okay uh so seven scholarships now some say it has to be used they have to be used on portal guys uh i don't i don't I haven't read that specifically, but most of the time they will be you can all you can use them on um high school players too i think uh but I think the game guys had one or two. High school spots left, I think one after Bailey and then the seven, save eight, you know, and then they got Dawkins, so that's seven. Um, but that number, the the, the plus number over the twenty five is uh the plus number over the twenty-five is based on how many you lose. And and the game house lost more than seven. Uh so those are the numbers, you know. So you got kind of a a bonus. I call it the recruiting bonus round because you you know you get your high school guys in the boat mainly on the in, in the uh, early signing period and now uh, you're looking to fill guys from the portal or, or put guys in from the portal so that that that's how it stands uh, right now with the gamecocks. The only thing I'm not sure about is can you use the portal those those spots for portal players or or can you use a high school? I, I don't know. I don't know about that. So uh, at the Big Spur Pod. Thomas comes in again. Okay, two questions. Do you know or have any connections to the Gators? Can you tell me why everyone that hires an assistant head coach? I heard uh, Josh Pate rave about the staff they've hired. I looked it up. It is impressive, but the titles are confusing. Um, you know, typically, Thomas, when you hire uh, – you're filling out a coaching staff, you know, title is good. You know, and, and and when you have a title, you could play, pay more money, and I think that was the idea. You know, we're going to bring you in here and give you a title and and pay you more money. Um, you know, I look at the staff, and I, I think, yeah, I like it. I think there's a lot of guys on that staff that have a lot of experience and have some big reps. When you're talking about football, Mike Peterson's now on that staff from the Gamecocks. Thought that was a nice, nice win. And uh we'll see kind of what happens there, uh, in terms of the staff uh at Florida. But that's that's why they do it. You know, I'll give you an example at South Carolina. Uh when Spurrier was here, you know, South Carolina hired Ellis Johnson as defensive coordinator. Well, then after the oh eight season, when Ron Cooper left, you go and um You go and, you know, hire Lorenzo Ward, right? Well, you know, Ward probably wanted a title to leave Arkansas and come to South Carolina uh, at the time because I think he was in position to to maybe get that coordinator. So they named Whammy the defensive coordinator. And then Ellis was the assistant head coach for defense. And so Whammy had that title as defensive coordinator. um, But, you know, Ellis Johnson's calling it same thing with Brian McClendon. When he got to South Carolina, uh, he was receivers coach, but also co-offensive coordinator, but that was Kurt Roper's offense. You know, Kurt Roper was in charge. Uh, McClendon had the co-OC title. Um, And and so that's what happens. It, it, you know, you use those titles to justify paying more money and justify the move on the resume. Uh, And that's about it. Now, assistant ed coaches do have lots of duties. Uh, extra duties in addition to coaching their position uh, and all that good stuff. So that's um, that's the deal there. Thanks, Thomas. Ashley tweets in. Don't think we've heard from Ashley before. He's like, think about it, the bowl game, sat to carry and Others stepped up. But how much of that can be credited to the element of surprise? UNC was clearly called off guard. Think that offensive plan and production is sustainable? Thanks. Ah, uh, no. Uh, and, and that's not – I mean, I don't think you can go out and do that every game and, you know, trick everybody, you know. But, but then again, Ashley, I'll, I'll point this out about the bowl. Yes, UNC was caught off guard. I, I don't think they expected Joyner to drop back and throw it. Uh, I also think Jaheim Bell uh, is an outstanding player who they, they, they probably, because Jaheim, they necessarily, I guess the Vandy game was the one game they've connection on that little slant. Uh, that I think was I think that was the second touchdown I think there was all that was the play they ran from Zeb on the second touchdown uh you know, and you don't have a scouting report on Joyner, so you're like other than when he goes in it's usually wildcat uh, but but I'll say this, you know three hundred one rushing yards, most of it was just basic run plays you know I, I I do think that the the not the trickeration but the element of surprise early was in play. But by the time you know everybody settled in, the game guys just lined up and and, and really beat them. You know, <laughs> uh, Kevin Harris, uh, Juju McDowell, those guys. Um, so 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 what about the game plan and all that? Well, I you know I don't know. I I I, I have questions still about it. Um, I would hope that the folks that say and, I, and I've never agreed with them on this, but I hope I'm wrong. The hopes the, the folks that say quarterback was the issue. Oh, I had to play all these quarterbacks. Okay, fine. You got a guy coming in that's uh, been one of the best in college football. So we'll see how that works out. You know, now, do I think that putting Joiner at quarterback like they did in that game is going to work? It's not going to work. Spencer Rattler didn't come to Carolina to split reps. I mean, that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, is that kind of thing sustainable? I don't, you know, I, I doubt it. I think uh, I think what you got to do is just uh, you know get better and more crisp in what you do. Uh, if you're Marcus Satterfield, and uh, if what everybody says or everybody, what some people say uh, that it was all because of the quarterback situation, all that, I'm willing to. I'm not willing to agree, but I'm willing to bite and, and give it a shot. That's um, that's the deal. You know that that that's the deal there. So I I, uh, definitely think um, you know is that sustainable that game plan? No, but every game plan is going to be different. So we'll see what happens. Actually, you raise a good point, though. I think you know I think that that was a really good job. You know, game planning and surprising them. But you're you know week to week, you're not going to get that chance uh, in the SEC. So. So, Bo says, thanks to the podcast board analysis. I had a buddy that received a cameo text where the guy from SEC Shorts wished him a happy birthday and made fun of UGA. Is there a way to approach players from a team to do this? Seems like easy money. Cameo would be a good – you know, the players can get cameo on their own. I I don't know why that hasn't been – don't know why that hasn't been – encouraged uh for them to do um and so i think that uh you know that's the deal So <laughs> that's the deal but uh he said your buddy he says my buddy and i listen to your podcast regularly and i wondered if you would do something funny in that vein he's finishing his last appointment in march uh, and i'm sure it'd be funny if have 30 of Thirty to sixty seconds of fake audio from you. I could send them and say it came from the podcast. In the news, and no section for today. We leave with Captain. Okay, 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 okay. I got you. Um. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me put something together, Bo. You got to give me. It's a busy week. Give me a couple days, uh, and I can put something together. And he goes on to say, "Don't let posters on the board, blah blah blah, get you down." Yeah the board sometimes, sometimes, look, and and I love everybody on the board. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people have, um, you know, bad days and and a lot of people on the board especially have been having a hard time. So uh, we'll see. You know, I feel bad sometimes if I get into it with somebody and all that. There was one joker uh, later that last week that just like, Got into. I mean, we we had a Bobby Bentley versus Marcus Satterfield debate that was like 200 posts long, and I and it was during the same time Carolina was getting you know recruits, <laughs> and I was like, nah, we got to end this," but that's kind of crazy. Um, okay. Bo says your video. Okay, he also said that about the the cord. Um, and Tim says the cord. There we go. Yeah, thanks guys. I mean, I appreciate that. I've, I've got. To, I'm going to tape it down or something. This, you know, I've kind of figured that out. So it is the cord. And and really, I don't have to. I don't have to use headphones when I'm doing this. Um, because I don't hear myself through the headphones anyway through Zoom, and you know, so I, I took those off today. So that cord isn't moving when I shake my head. A VJ Bell My game Gamecock, probably more of a traditionalist when it comes to scholarship athletics, but I accept and even embrace the new reality of free agency with the portal. I also believe it can prepare these, kids, prepare these kids for the sometimes harsh realities of life. Just as someone accepts a job with salary and benefits, student athletes are recruited to a school with a scholarship, room and board, living stipend and other perks. In both cases, there's a gre- an agreement of something in return. If you perform well, the better opportunities may present themselves. But what happens if you don't perform? Years ago, I recall Steve Spurrier saying that a football scholarship was a one-year agreement. Could schools really take scholarships away if a player is busted on the field? Um, I'll stop right there and say that used to be the case. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, with the, the Big Ten raising canter, most schools now guarantee it for four years. So you don't get cut. If players can walk away for whatever reason they won't, shouldn't, schools shouldn't be demonized if they choose to take a scholarship away, which in this age of entitlement, they would likely be canceled for doing so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I understand scholarship and, you know, the guarantee in it for four years and all that good stuff. Cause some guys, you know, here here's the deal. There, there's some players that, Are mistakes in recruiting? You know, the coach goes out and offers them, or you have some assistant that pushes for a guy he really likes, and he can't evaluate his way out of a paper bag, and he's completely wrong. And this kid never plays, but he goes to class and he gets good grades, and he comes to the workouts, and he's a good teammate, and he tries hard. I mean, I don't know that you can cut that guy. You know, I mean, because I, you know, and then again, I don't know if he's if he gets in the portal if he can go anywhere. Um. But that's the that's the deal there. I, I would hate to see it get to that point because, you know, you do have a lot of situations where, you know, a mistake by a coach is the reason the player's there to begin with. And you, you don't want to ruin his life because a coach – makes a mistake. But that, but you know, some of these guys that don't want to work and don't want to do anything and don't go to class. I'm like, yeah, you need to kick them off the team and open the scholarship. And that does happen because you still can get kicked off for rules, violations and things like that. So we'll see sort of what happens. He goes, look, I fully support college athletes who start at one school believe they should have a chance to improve their stock at a higher level program or simply have an opportunity to play somewhere else. I will say that it's getting a little ridiculous seeing some players lose a starting job as a freshman and then decide to transfer. But I'm super curious what the data says about these portal kids getting passed by, going nowhere, or basically dropping out of college altogether. The NCAA should get off their butts and collect and report the data annually to be overt about the risk versus reward. Oh, yeah, well, see, and that's something the national media is now tell you. And I've said this along to the national college football radio. Um, or, sorry, media is they, they don't they don't talk or t- they never talk about the 97% of all players who college football has overwhelmingly improved their lives through education, opportunities, all that. All they talk about is the guys who are going to pro. That's a, going pro, that's a very small percentage of players, very small, you know. And they're, oh, okay, it's great that Caleb Williams is leaving and getting a million dollars or this, that, and the other. Well what about the the you know the, the there's eighteen hundred twenty two thousand kids in the portal? What about the seventeen hundred that you know maybe have to go down a level? I don't know if it's quite that much, maybe the thousand or so that have to go down a level. Uh and, and as you go down uh in level, sometimes you 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 end up getting like half scholarships and stuff like that. Uh they want to go down a level or they don't get any opportunity at all, and they're out of the game and out of the scholarship because they just – they believe their own press clippings, and, hey, guess what? You're not very good. And uh, so, so I'm curious to see what the narrative is, if people ever start shining a spotlight on this, with some of these people that were just adamant about how great the portal is, you know, what are they going to say? You know, oh, are these kids continuing to be victimized? You know, when they're the ones that made the choice to get in the portal, which is something you've been going over the top about, that I mean, they need for a It's not fair because the coaches can leave. Well, players can leave now too, you know, but not a lot of smart decisions being made out there. So says some kids want to be at their dream school, but others are just trying to get to the next level and don't care what happens. And instead of the NCAA creating all these oddball rules around pre- or post-grad transfers – why don't schools and athletes just sign contracts? It seems like this would be a good solution that helps kids consider their circumstances and make their first real grown-up decision. Thoughts? Uh BJ, yeah, the contract thing, maybe that comes, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I think the NCA leadership is clueless about this, uh, because for years, you know, they've been indoctrinated with their model. This upends their model quite a bit. Um I think that their thought is, let's uh, you know, let's go uh, and live with NIL and free transfers for a while and see see what we can do and see if Congress steps in. To to, to and Nick Saban even said Congress needed to step in, but I don't know, you know, to, to work on some some uniformity with the NIL thing. But free transfers are probably here to stay. Now, now here's the thing too. Uh the people have to keep in mind about the free trade. The portal's a new thing. So I think it's 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 kind of in vogue right now. Uh but keep in mind too, these guys can only transfer once. You know, so it's like like Karan Prunty, who transferred to Carolina and he transfers out after two practices. He had to sit out this past year. He's going to North Carolina AT now. But he has to sit out. You know, and so it's it's a one-time thing. I mean, it's not, it's not a uh not a situation where a kid can go, all right, so like Anthony Rose, South Carolina's uh, defensive back freshman who's there now, he went to four high schools in four years in South Florida. which was a little unprecedented, but in, in their high school association down there in South Florida decided free transfers no matter what. Nobody's ever going to have to sit, and that's what happened. So you're not going to see that in college football, and, and, and that's, that's the other thing. Uh, you have to keep in mind when you're talking about the portal is, yeah, guys are in the portal, but they can't, you know, at some point, you know, you can't transfer. So, so that second, the second time you better make it work, right. Or, um, or it's not going to work. And, and, you know, I I think as far as preparing kids for the harsh realities of life, I'm with you. Like as soon as somebody, Starts crunching the data, the NCAA, whoever. I think they they have an obligation to the players to to maybe educate them a little more on it, and parents and things like that. And say, hey, look, you know, twenty five hundred went in the portal last year, only eight hundred came out and played Division One again. Um, and that's the case. Basketball is a little bit different because basketball has three hundred and some odd teams in Division One, you know. <clears throat> I think basketball, there are are fewer evaluations made where a guy is supposed to be good, but he just isn't. If you notice that, you know, football, there there are guys that end up with scholarships to Power Five programs that can't go play anywhere. You know, they can't play at Wofford or Furman or PC or wherever. So that's that's the deal there. So that's um, what you got to keep in mind, man. Uh, With football, is that you know that they really need to start talking more about you know those guys that just get completely their lives are ruined because they got in the portal uh, and and all that. Now, from a competitive standpoint, uh, like if you're South Carolina, I mean, I think this works in your favor as far as building a program because a lot of the guys that left, you know, aren't necessarily people. aren't lining up to sign them. Uh, Congratulations to Vinnie Murphy, by the way, for signing with Western Kentucky. I think that's a heck of a pickup for Western Kentucky. I think Vinny's a really good player. But but you don't, you know, you you don't really see, you know, a lot of guys that have left the program do well. And then South Carolina's going to bring in, you know, a lot of players that have performed at the college. So those are upgrades. You know, so if, if you're just looking at it from a Gamecock standpoint, it's great. If you're looking at it from a, a society standpoint, what's best for the student-athletes, I'm in complete agreement with you there, B.J. And as always, I appreciate your uh, your um, emails on the I Consulting Mailbag. That's all the time we have for today uh, on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is J.C. Sherbert. Uh, I will be uh, speaking with you later this week. Hope you all have a good solid week uh, and all that. There'll be more to come. Uh, Be sure to check out thebigspur.com and everything else out there. Uh, Should be a pretty big week uh, as far as recruiting goes, although it's recruiting, so you never know. But we'll be right here talking about it. This is J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecast podcast.